This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Peter Welling for Senate. He could be whatever he wants to be. He could be an astronaut, a race car driver. He could be God, but he wants to be your senator. Peter Welling for Senate, lowering taxes and raising values. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. It's April Fool's Day on Pod Cemetery with Slaughter High from 1986 and 2008's April Fool's Day. Probably the last two April Fool's movies we will ever review on this show. We'll see if any new ones come out or if you know of any, please tell us. But before we get to our first movie, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Give me what you've got. Okay. In the Hellraiser series from 1987 to 1992, yes. The Cenobites are what kind of creatures? Uh, well, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. That seems like an oddly phrased question. Is it actually multiple choice and you're not giving me choices? No. I mean, they're demons from hell. Is that what it's looking for? No. They used to be humans. They're torturers. They're like, what do you want to know? You want to know the answer? Y- yes. Extra dimensional. But they come from hell. Apparently not. God, it's been a long time since we've seen any of those movies. We never finished it. Nope. We need to finish that series. Honestly, we should probably go back and watch two on. Well, yeah, we're going to for the show. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. Yeah. What actor appeared in both The Invisible Man, 1933, and The Wolfman, 1941? Claude Rains. That is correct. Claude Rains is, in fact, the Invisible Man. Claude Rains was the Invisible Man. We're going to get our double feature music in here without having a double feature. Because it's not a double feature. We thought it might be, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Apparently, the 2008 April Fool's Day really was supposed to be a remake of the earlier April Fool's Day that we've already reviewed on the show. And they couldn't get the rights or whatever. We'll talk about it later on. And they had to rewrite it. So there are actually two sets of writing credits, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, what are we watching first, Kelsey? Slaughter High. From 1986. Written and directed by George Dugdale, Mark Ezra, and Peter Mackenzie Lytton. Three different people wrote and directed this movie, starring Carolyn Monroe, Simon Scudamore, and Carmine Iannacone. What is Slaughter High about? You could probably figure it out. An April Fool's Day joke goes wrong. You're kidding me. And that person comes back for revenge. What? What a unique and interesting premise. (laughs) To be fair, it was still the 80s, but... I mean, it starts out like Terror Train, and it, you know, like, it's, 
It's like all of those movies. <laughs> but this one is unique in a few ways. Should people watch it? If you enjoy 80s slashers, I recommend it. But if you're not like, oh, I gotta see all of them, then I probably would skip this one. I enjoyed it because I like all 80s slashers. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. (laughs) I mean, this is way better than a lot of other ones that we've done. Right? But that doesn't mean that it's one of the best either. It is not. No, 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 no. It was leagues better than I thought it was going to be going into it. Like, way better. It is also kind of batshit in several ways, (laughs) which made it really interesting to watch. If that makes you curious and you're willing to watch some obscure 80s horror movie because you're curious, yes, you should watch this movie. But if you're not trying to consume all the horror movies you can, why are you listening to us and maybe avoid this one, I guess? (laughs) All right, guys, you can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 1986's Slaughter High. Marty Ranson was the dork of Doddsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. Where's the They tormented him. Where's the <laughs> And then they went too far. Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party. And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames and a nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork, but tonight he's getting even. Bestron Pictures presents Slaughter High. Kelsey, can you get the conversation started here? How does Slaughter High begin? With an amazing title card. Right, yeah. I wrote, this immediately seems so lovely and low rent. Yes. (laughs) The title card, like, shakes and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And this takes place at Doddsville High School. And right off the bat, I got graduation day feelings because they were like, track and field is about to start. So that's the reason that most of the people are not in school. graduation day. Yes. (laughs) And so most people are out on the field for the track and field game. Yeah. This nerdy guy and this hot girl are walking into the lockers and, you know, you want to do it, don't you? You've done it before, haven't you? Are you kidding? I'm a sex machine. And he very obviously has never had sex and she very obviously has. You can pretty much figure it out. A group, a very large group of people. Huge group of people. uh, Nine, I believe, is the number of people are coming into film. So it's going to be a big joke, a lot like Terror Train. Only this time it isn't a dead person. No. (laughs) This time it is a real person. But unfortunately, it's not just... Oh, ha ha, we caught you with your pants down. No, this is, this goes above and beyond what you would think this April Fool's joke right. is going to be. They electrocute this poor kid. They shock him. Yes. By hooking a car battery up to the towel rack when he goes to grab a towel to cover himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Which, they- okay, we should probably stop here and say, Marty has nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> He's doing okay. <laughs> He's completely flaccid and he's doing all right. You're okay, Marty. They, like, spray stuff on him. 
They do something else, and then they eventually they pick him up to dunk his head in the toilet. And yeah. this is all on film. You know, it just goes on and on. It's not as bad as Terror Train because, like I said, it's not a dead person. But it just never – it felt like it was never going to end. Yeah. We also find out it's his fucking birthday. Yeah, he lets it slip. The woman. The hot chick. Yeah, Carolyn Monroe is her actual name. But her character's name is Carol Manning. He mentions to her, this is going to be my best birthday ever. And she says, it's your birthday? April Fool's Day is your birthday? Carol, this is the best birthday I've ever had. April 1st is your birthday? That's right. And he doesn't grok that, oh my god, it is April Fool's Day. She just obviously is thinking about the fact that it's April Fool's Day. This could all be a prank. Very, very gullible, Marty. Played by Simon Scudamore, by the way. I guess just because it is April Fool's Day, one of the guys is wearing a jester's mask. uh, But it's very obvious just so that the killer can have a a mask later on. Right. I literally wrote, oh, that jester mask is definitely coming back. Yes. Uh, One thing to consider in our conversation about this movie is that due to timing constraints, Kelsey and I had to watch it on uh, at separate times. She watched it during the day, and then she had to go out to do something at night. I came home, and I watched it by myself, and we would be texting each other her (laughs) non-spoilery thoughts and me totally spoilery thoughts uh, about it throughout. So we didn't have the benefit of, you know, being at the same place and being able to talk about it while we're watching it. But yes, I wrote, that jester mask is totally coming back. So in walks the coach, and at the very least, the coach does punish them. It's very much, it's very like Carrie. In yeah. that way, basically, they have to do like after school PE, essentially. And one of the girls says, It's all his fucking fault. Talking about that stupid dork Marty, it's all his fucking fault. Yeah. That was Stella. I wrote that line down specifically because, fun fact about the movie, if you're wondering why everyone sounds so weird, it's because it's entirely British. It was, it was filmed in London. And the enti- almost the entire cast was British. And I was making a point about how everyone's accents sounded so fucking weird. Yes. Like, they're awful accents, almost every single one of them. And the one I picked out was this line, that stupid dork Marty, it's all his fucking fault. That's Stella. Stupid dork Marty, it's all his fucking fault. However... Stella Donna Yeager was the only American on the cast. (laughs) She was from Texas. So, yeah, I thought she had a really bad, exaggerated American accent, but she was the only one who was actually American. Some of these accents, though. They're really, really bad. Oh, my God. When I was watching it at first, I was just like, I felt bad. I was like, do all of these people have like speech impediments or something they're so exaggerated it's like doing an impression of a british person (laughs) doing an impression of an american accent like that's how bad it is there's one guy uh specifically he's the uh the biker guy he sounds like one of the festrunk brothers from snl you know the wild and crazy guys there's no other pair of czech brothers who cruise and swing so successfully in tight slacks he says at one point well we've got food and drink and everything must have set you back a fortune skip <laughs> like hey we got food and drink and everything 
Must have set you back a fortune, Skip. It's really, really bad. And it's one of the joys of this movie. <laughs> it's so entertaining. We meet all the characters, and they're like a part of a, a quote-unquote gang. And he's like, what does it take to be a part of this gang? Do you have to be funny, like the guy who wears the jester's hat? Do you have to be pretty, like the hot chick? Do you have to be stupid, like the guy that Chris was just talking about? And so, like, these people, they don't have the brightest futures. <laughs> Yeah, no. But so while everybody else is going off to detention, two of them, Putney and Harrison, go off to continue the April Fool's Day joke even further than it already was. Yeah. And they're talking to the nerd. And so this nerd has already been tormented. You would think that when these two would come up and talk to him, he'd be like, fuck you. But instead, he's like, she has the odds for me. Don't get in the way next time. And they're like, hey, man, just to show you how sorry we are, try this joint. He's like, okay, cool. I'll have it later. Like, how dumb do you have to be? Yeah. But so he goes into the chem lab, which I don't know about you, but I've never seen a chem lab that just has all kinds of acids and liquids and chemicals all over the place open ready for kids to work with yeah. by themselves without an adult in the room right the fact that there's all this <laughs> stuff in there although he's probably you know the big nerd kid who has a key or whatever i understand but it is a little ridiculous yeah. and so he tries to smoke the the joint but like it's like I don't know if it's a sparking cigarette thing. It kind of pops a few times, but he doesn't react to that. And then he ends up like coughing a he lot. He gets really sick. I think that's what it's designed. I don't think it's actually weed. I think it's just something else. It's probably oregano or something like that. And he's getting sick because of it. And so he goes to the bathroom. And during all of this time, the funny guy of the group pretends like somebody threw a rock through the window so that he can get out and go and find this person. But instead, he, of course, goes in to uh, the chem lab. This is Skip, by the way, who I pretty much love. Not, like, as a person, as a human being, but, like, as a character. He's kind of great. And then I didn't understand what he was supposed to be doing. He, like, mixes things... Yeah, he was fucking with the chemicals that dude was working with, uh, that Marty was working with, and he fucks with the gas on the the fire for the Bunsen burner or whatever. I, w- I, I wish I had seen this with you because I was sitting there like, I'm too dumb to even understand what this prank <laughs> is supposed to be. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. But so eventually the guy comes back and through a series of things happening... He ends up getting acid on his face, and the entire chemistry lab blows up. But he survives. He does. (laughs) He does. I wrote down Jesus Christ when the joke goes wrong. Yeah. It is... It is out... It's fucking gruesome. Yeah. And they went all out for some of these scenes, and they did a really good job at making, like, over-the-top gruesome scenes, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, it ends up being that he only gets, like, part of his face. I mean, I know this is terrible. I'm not trying to say it's not. Yeah. But only, like, part of his face gets maimed. Yeah, like he's Two-Face. And they end up telling us that, like, through plastic surgery, he could have been fine. Yeah. So it's a little confusing, and it gets a lot more confusing at the end. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Chris, because we haven't really had it okay. in person. But I mean, after seeing all that, it was like, okay, how how is he alive, first of all? Second of all, how did not more damage happen? It's kind of like in uh, Eyes Without a Face, you're just like, how? Is her face is the only thing? Face? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Um, oh, he also, while it was happening, he he grabbed onto a burning pipe or whatever when they're all looking at him laying down. Yeah, and just, just watching it happen. up his hands and everything. And, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Then we see the main chick, the hot chick, going to help him. And she's like, we didn't know. I'm so sorry. And then he grabs her. and ends up being a dream. Very much like in Carrie. And then she's like on the phone with her producers. This is like five or ten years it's later. Ten they, years later. They don't yeah. ever tell us. Yeah. Um, but we assume it's because they're not surprised to be invited to a reunion. So it's probably around ten years later. But she's talking to her producer and he and she's like, the movie's weird. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, so what? You take your clothes off in every movie. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is she a porn star? They no, never tell I think us. she just makes smutty movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. She also takes a shower, and I think I shared this with you. Was her shower nozzle broken? The water's just, like, dripping out. It's, like, <laughs> just dribbling out or whatever. It's, like, how are you even getting wet with that? <laughs> I did not notice. <laughs> it was at this point that I wrote down, I really hope it's the coach, because I was really hoping it wouldn't be... Just the typical story. But it totally is. And it they, is. And they do like spoilers, nothing it is. <laughs> to make you wonder if it's him or not. Like, you know it's him. That is a spoiler for that. But they kind of reveal that really early on relative to the end of the movie. But then there's still a twist at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're all going to their reunion. And they all get there. And, I mean, they don't even notice that, like, the place looks totally run down. They do mention, why are we the only ones here? But it's like, they still stay. Also, it's on April 1st. How are you not figuring out that this is an April Fool's Day joke? And when are reunions ever held in April? April, yeah. They're uh, in the summer. Yeah, I don't know. And so all these, they all come back. I think they get inside and they're like, oh, we should. They have to break in. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, maybe we should go. But then there's a storm. So they're like, eh, let's just hang out and wait for the storm to be over. Right. They figure out that it is a prank by this point because there's nobody else there and the place is all locked up. That's why they have to break in. But they really haven't figured it out. Like, they keep blaming it on the the prankster Joker. And he Uh just keeps being like, it's not me. Eventually, he says, fine, it's me. Yeah, even though it wasn't. But it's so clear that it's not him. uh But, like, they're all just so in denial. And it's like, why are you in denial? Why aren't you leaving? What is happening? I mean, I get that one of their cars is shitty and broke down. Like, I understand that. But, like, you have other cars. (laughs) Yeah. Then they end up finding a room that is set up to look like a reunion. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's just like prom. Oh, yeah, right before Mm -hmm. I passed out. You know, that kind of stuff. And it has all their lockers in it? Yes, their lockers are in there, and each locker has something that they lost. Yeah. And again, even if you think it's the prankster, how did you get our lockers in here? Right. What kind of preparation did that take? Like, is this a rundown school? Is anyone using it anymore? Because I'm pretty sure they're going to be pissed that you took lockers out of the wall. Yeah. You know? And why are all of these things showing up that we thought we'd lost? Guess the prankster's just been putting this into effect for 10 years now. Yeah. Weird. Well, then they find out that, that one of the lockers in there belongs to Marty. Yes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, remember Marty? And Skip tells the story about, yeah, I know what happened to Marty. He went insane. They say he still roams the nuthouse, ever hopeful of that chance to escape. Escape back to his old school so he can take his evil revenge out on us all. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And he's like, nah, fucking last I heard he was working at IBM. Last I heard of Marty, he joined IBM. 
He's forgotten about us, believe me. Like, you guys are so gullible. Yeah. There's some great lines here. Skip, I want to go pee. Skip, I want to go pee. So? It has a great delivery to it. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> I want to go pee. It's scary out there. Very then, strange voice. And then that biker guy again, he has a great line. Watch out for the boogeyman, girls. Watch out for the boogeyman, girls. And then there's like a sitcom stinger music thing that happens, you know, like wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> And they're all drinking beer, smoking weed. The hot chick is doing coke. <laughs> yeah. They're all just getting fucked up, because why get, not? Then we get the first major death. And we get to see the jester's mask in a shadow, which I thought was a nice yeah, touch. Uh-huh. I liked that. But first, before they can die, somehow the two boys who were making fun of the girls who were going to go pee get in the room before they do. Uh-huh. How that's possible. Yeah, to scare them. To yeah. scare them, and she ends up peeing herself. <laughs> I would be so mad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they run into the old janitor. The one guy who I should mention, the only time we see him prior to this, is the one who saw the shit that was going down in the locker room and went to the coach to tell him there's kids fucking around in the locker room. So the only reason that prank got stopped in the first place is the janitor. Now, maybe Marty feels that if... The coach had never come in, then they would never have been punished, and then they wouldn't have tried pranking him again, which is what led to the accident, and so he kind of, in a way, blames the janitor for that. It's not really clear, but the janitor is the first person to die. Yeah. And it fucking sucks. I'm like, oh, what did the janitor ever do? He's just this elderly Jamaican man. (laughs) I don't know that he was Jamaican, honey. (laughs) In the closed captioning, they say Jamaican accent or whatever. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. He tells them, before he dies, he tells them, this place has been closed down for five years now. Yeah, what are you guys doing here? (laughs) They're going to tear this place down in one month. I'll let you look around. Whatever you want to do, just don't burn the place down. A joke about the fact that they had that kid blow up the room. But he's like, they're going to demolish the place anyway, so fine, whatever. Like, this is the, it's next week, fucking do whatever you want, I don't give a shit. But, so... (laughs) It's a pretty uneventful death. Basically, the killer picks him up. He has to be super fucking strong. Uh-huh. Picks him up by one hand by his neck and then just pushes his head through a coat rack. Like, I, <laughs> what? Yeah, and then <laughs> nails his hands into the doorway so he's hanging like on a crucifix style. Why? Yeah. Just why? Just to be more dramatic when he's eventually found. And then one of the other guys, like, I don't know. if Do he we gets... want to run through the different kills? I think we can do this kind of quickly. There's not a lot of substance here. Yeah, the the next guy who dies, like, gets poisoned, I guess? Like, he's the guy who can chug a beer, and so they ask him to show him how he chugs a beer, and he does chug almost the whole thing, and then his stomach starts aching. But how did he get the chemicals into a closed can of beer? How did he do that? I don't know. Exactly. There's no... You can... No, 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 no. I know how. Do you know how they get drinks into uh, cans in the first place? The entire top is off. Comes off. Like, the entire thing. And then they put the top on it. So, theoretically, he could reverse engineer that. Take the top off... Pour out the beer, put in the poison, and seal that top again. Well, I love that it's a very 
it's that specific one that he did it to yeah, that ha- uh-huh. this happens. No, with. there's a lot of convenience. It's not. Listen, I admitted earlier on, it is not a fantastic movie. It is just a blast to watch. And I certainly didn't believe the reaction either. Oh, he's like, oh, oh my god, my stomach! And then his stomach gets bigger, like it starts to grow, <laughs> like an alien. Yeah, his stomach grows. And then, you know, it's pulsing, and then it explodes open, blood gets on everybody, and all of his guts come spilling out, only there's no alien here. We cut to the can, and we see that there's some fizzy liquid coming out of it that we assume is acid. So then everybody runs away except for Shirley because Shirley got blood splattered on her just like an alien. Yeah. And she decides it's a good idea. To get into a bathtub, which I don't know where the fuck they have a bathtub it's in a high school. probably in the gym. That's weird. But she gets into this bathtub to get the blood off of her. They try to get away by through one of the cars, but the car won't start because the jester's already in there. And he puts a knife through one of the guy's chest, just like in Friday the 13th. Yeah, all the windows are are sealed with the fencing across the window, electrified and everything. So that dude has to sneak out and he goes to the car and that's when he gets stabbed. And how that tiny little blade gets through the entire car seat and through this guy's entire body, I don't know. And how they knew that's the car that they would go in and not the truck that was taken earlier. It's the celebrity, the actress chick's car, Carol's car. Uh, Oh, it starts every first time every time, but they don't know he's dead. And so while the girl is taking the bath, this is all happening. He drives kind of away out of their view and then he pulls kind of back into their view and turns the lights on on the car and they can see on the fence there's the dude they sent out to the car all strung up on the How fence. How he got him out of the car It doesn't make a lot seen. of logical sense. <laughs> It really doesn't, but it's okay. Now they're all freaking out and they know that the killer is outside and can maybe get in and out at will. Meanwhile, the girl is taking a bath. And And taking her sweet time. Right. And she's in the bath. Instead of a shower, just take a fucking shower. But whatever. She's in the bath and she's in it while the water's still coming out. I I never understood why movies showed this happening. Have you ever gotten in the bath while the water's still pouring? She gets into it without the water pouring, but the water gets bloody really fast. So she's putting more water in there. She turns the water on when she's in there. Problem with this is it makes no fucking sense. All of a sudden the water becomes acid. Well, he has access to the water supply and he pours the acid in there. And why she doesn't just be like, oh my God, and jump out of the tub. I don't know. Well, she keeps on sliding around and slipping and she falls back into the acid and she's getting all burned up on her skin. And I wrote down Jesus, the acid bath. (laughs) And then I wrote down and then her face melts. Her face just melts off like an Indiana Jones. Oh my God. (laughs) Like when I talk about these, like, elaborately performed deaths. This is what I'm talking about. Like, there's some great stuff here. Just over-the-top kind of ridiculous deaths. And I absolutely love it. I'm loving every minute of it. Meanwhile, everybody that's inside, I think they find the girl in the bathtub and they're like... I don't understand. What happened to Marty was an accident. It wasn't our fault. And then the same chick who earlier Chris had said, she said it's all his fucking fault. She says, of course it was our fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we need to take fucking responsibility for this shit. Yeah. Let's go through some of the rest of these deaths here. Susan shows up late, and she's attacked in front of them. They all see her die. Stella, the one with the funky Texan accent, uh, wants to have sex with Frank, 
even though she's married to Joe. And Joe's out there fixing... A car. Like a tractor slash lawnmower thing. And... So they fuck, and while they're fucking, he, the jester electrifies the bed and electrocutes the both of them. And turns on the car and smashes the other guy. With the, the blade on, so it chops his stomach all up and everything like that. But what? another feature of all this is, like... It felt very much like in Happy Birthday to me. Yeah. When he's got the, um... Oh, with the weight set? With the weight yeah, set uh-huh. above him, and then that falls on him. Because he's much- trying to hold it up with his own power, and eventually he has to let it fall on him, and that's what kills him. Because the dude cuts his arm, and that's yes. what makes him drop it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. So now we only have a few people left. We have Carol, the actress and our main character, Nancy, and Skip. So, Skip is randomly... Just hung from the middle of the gym, which is really weird. A noose is wrapped around his neck and then pulled up and he's hung. But he ends up escaping and falling to the floor of the gym and he disappears. And so now we have Carol and Nancy. Nancy freaks out and leaves Carol, even though Carol's like, we should probably be sticking together. And she falls into a trick. She gets outside and she falls into a pit. That he dug, that he knew she was going to fall into. In the first shot, there's nothing there. All of a sudden, she falls. When we see her in below, it's huge. Then later, when we see it from above, it's tiny. Like, it just, it. I don't understand what's happening with their set, but it's just constantly changing. She tries to crawl out, and he doesn't let her. He kicks her back down in there. It's like mud or something? Yeah, it's not oil or Or whatever. shit? I don't know what it is. It's not entirely clear but she dies she drowns in that pit and then so carol's the only one left and and all the bodies are starting to disappear yes and And the carnage is also starting to disappear yeah and get cleaned up and she's getting chased around by this jester until eventually she grabs like a fire axe like a hatchet and she has that to defend herself with and as she's coming around a door the jester comes up on her and she swings the axe and no it wasn't the jester it was skip who she just axed in the fucking face mhm i was genuinely surprised by that i did not expect that to happen i almost forgot about skip in general <laughs> and i was really bummed to see that he had survived and then immediately was killed so I was like, ah, oh, god damn it. And then there's a big chase scene, which apparently was literally put in as filler. They well, had a she shorter movie. Him through a window. Yeah. And then so like at one point, Skip like picks up this long, like almost spear thing. It's a javelin from Track and Field. <laughs> yes. And she has it. I forget why, but she has it at this point, and she's pushed the guy through and she thinks he died. So she's like, haha, and just tosses the stick. It it always boggles my mind why these people are just like, I don't need this weapon anymore. Yeah, so let me just uh-huh. put it right next to the killer. Yes. So he chases after her again with the javelin pole, chases her back to the showers where he was originally humiliated, and then stabs her through the gut with the javelin. Laughing, he takes off the mask, and there we see Simon Scudamore, Marty Ranson, is is the killer, and it's finally revealed to us that that it is him. Not that we ever thought it wasn't. Right, exactly. And he's laughing and laughing and laughing, and then all of a sudden, like... He starts to hear voices. Yeah, he hears the, the, the dead talking to him, 
and he's he's walking around and then he starts like seeing them. So it's all it's the gang that he just killed off and they're all dressed up as like kind of ghoulish things. Yeah, and really bad makeup like they're dressed up for Halloween. And there's a lot of smoke and everything and I I wrote at this point how delightfully odd. Yes. Like I was like, "Ooh, yes. this is different. This is unique." But then they fuck it up. Yeah. And he wakes up in a hospital bed. And this is when it's just like, fu- what? Fucking it up. I think they could have very well ended it like that, where everyone dies, but he's still crazy and he's tormented by by uh, the people he's killed. I do think that that would be an amazing ending. Yes. I don't think this necessarily fucks it up. It changes it and it's worse, but I don't think it fucks it up. So he ends up killing his nurse and then his doctor. Okay, he strangles his the the nurse and then he puts himself in his uniform, a la the Joker. Yes, and as he's strangling her, it looks to the doctor like the nurse is holding him is holding down. him down. And so he, as he approaches, he turns with the syringe in his hand and stabs the doctor right in the eye and kills him. And he has all these bandages on his face and everything like that. Uh, and so now he's like, I'm going to get revenge. And then he turns and he looks dead into the camera and then he starts tearing the skin off of his face. I didn't know. I, I mean, like, is he supposed to be tearing off the plastic surgery? Yes, yes. They were they were trying to reconstruct his face, and they were they were optimistic about it. And he just tears all that off to reveal his two facedness again. And then and then it's like, it did any black. of that happen? Was it all in his mind? How much time has passed? Did this just happen? Like it, and it, it brings up all these questions, which really upsets me because mm. I I loved that they did this weird, yeah, unique twist. Well, this is kind and of then a they unique gave another twist, twist too. It's still kind of a unique twist in that yes, this was all in his head. It's a very snow globe ending, but. He's now like, yes, that is my plan, and that is what I need to carry out. So you can assume whatever you want about what happens after this point, but I think it's safe to say that, yes, he's going to attempt to carry this out. And I think that's really interesting. You can almost look at it as being circular. If you want... Time is a flat flat circle. I said, Nietzsche, shut the fuck up. (laughs) If you want, you can just assume that he then proceeds to do all the things that was in his head successfully. That's perfectly valid. And I'm okay with that. Really, I am. I think this movie was fun enough. I think it was unnecessary, but interesting. I do agree with you, though, that I think him just being crazy and then being tormented by the souls of his of his murdered victims, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. So that's the movie. Lightning round, Kelsey. So this is pretty much, for me, an amalgamation of... So, several movies. Several movies. This is, has remnants of Halloween... Friday the 13th, Carrie, Happy Birthday to Me, Graduation Day, Terror Train, so many. And this was, you know, 1986. Yeah, and... Around uh, the time of some of those. It Well, it was made before it came out. We know it was made before it came out. It was made, it was made in 1984. Okay. Yeah. And we know that because, unfortunately, the, the kid who gets bullied... Yes, Simon Scudamore... Who played Marty. He committed suicide. Yeah, he, uh, intentional drug overdose after filming was done, primary filming. So all the shots that have his face in it were already done filming. And then he, he, yes, he committed suicide. And the jester that we see is actually one of the directors, Mark Ezra. 
uh, wearing the mask because you'd never actually have to see his face in any of those scenes. And of course, because this is all about bullying and somebody going crazy from it and stuff like that, the filmmakers felt very guilty about this. They didn't release the movie for a very long time. But apparently, according to his mom, making the movie was one of the things that like kept him going. That he always had a great time filming and he came home from filming happy. That's maybe part of the reason why that wasn't there to sustain him anymore. He had, obviously, he had other psychological problems, depression, uh, that sort of thing. So his mother, apparently at the funeral, told them about this. And so that kind of alleviated their guilt a little bit. But they, yeah, they didn't release this movie for many years. So, it's really unfortunate. But not, so not the movie being released later, Simon killing himself. That's unfortunate. But so I brought that up because... It was kind of, it was made right around the time when all of these movies were being made. Yeah. And so it's definitely, it's hard to say who did what first and whatever. And But I kind of love that, like, there it was, it's almost like this little group of filmmakers, like, just kind of sharing their ideas yeah. about how to make silly horror movies. And I just, I love that, like, feeling. I love yeah. that it feels like you're part of a group when you watch these movies because they're all so similar yeah um but they're all so much fun to watch and each of them has something unique to it which is what makes it so much fun agreed there is a ticking clock in the movie where this is a big april fool's day prank so the characters are like okay we just have to make it to noon because that's when the April Fool's Day pranks end. And as an American, you might be wondering, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> because this was written and directed and acted by nothing but British people, except for fucking Donna Yeager, <laughs> who was bad at being American, apparently, with her accent and this knowledge, never told them and they never knew that in America, April Fool's Day is an all day thing. But. In England, it ends at noon. That's so weird. And you're actually looked down upon if you if you you're perform. You're the fool a, yeah, if you do it after. You, exactly. That's fucking nuts. It's weird. I had no idea that was the case. Why? Why is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so you can go on with the rest of your life and it doesn't ruin the entire fucking day. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that that was really interesting. And if you're wondering why, they're like, oh, we just had to make it to noon. That's why. <laughs> At one point, one of them wears the Jason mask and even says, Yes. Oh, did I scare you? So let's talk about Friday the 13th, which came out four years before this was made. Who did you think I was? Jason is what he says. And he's wearing a plastic hockey mask. Who do you think I was? Jason. <laughs> April Fool's. This movie was composed, the soundtrack was composed by Henry Manfredini, the guy who composed the score for Friday the 13th and does the famous Jason music. And yes, I call it the Jason music because that's supposed to be his voice that we hear. There is a point where you can totally hear that. And, and some of that reason may be because a lot of these songs are reused from the Friday the 13th series. But he did compose some original stuff. And this score is just kind of bonkers. It has a lot of plinking synth kind of music like it's a lot like that and it's a little silly and like i said there's that sitcom stinger that happens it's a little weird <laughs> but yes henry manfredini did the the score for this who also did the score for friday the 13th 
Carolyn Monroe, who plays Carol, was dating one of the directors, George Dugdale, at the time of filming. And they've actually since gotten married. And they have two children together. They're still married. But she was 36 when they made this movie. Even when she was supposed to be a teenager. Mm -hmm. Like, I get the fact that the bulk of the movie takes place years after they graduated. So they'll probably be in their their Mm mid-20s. Mid to late 20s. But yeah, she was in her (laughs) mid-30s. That, when she was playing... She was my age when she was playing a high schooler. Could you imagine (laughs) me playing a high schooler? I do not look as young as she does, though. I've been mistaken for being a high school kid. So it happens. Yeah, well... You're young and pretty, so. Aww. <laughs> I also wrote down here, I think my last note that I haven't talked about yet is, God, Joe the mechanic guy isn't even trying with his accent. Like, you know, yeah, there are a lot of bad accents, but Joe the mechanic, he just straight up has a British accent. <laughs> so why don't you take care of Stutter and the girls, huh? Okay. Uh, how long are you going to be? Maybe an hour. Maybe more. I'll call when I'm finished. That he's trying to hide, but you can pull it out so clearly. He drops his R's all the time. It's like, it, it's such a British accent. Well, the one who says she has to pee, she's the one that I, like, just was constantly like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> B- before I realized that she was British. Yeah. I was like, why are you speaking like this? That's Nancy, I think. If I remember correctly, going off of memory entirely. For me, she was the worst. So what do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? 43. There are only five reviews, so it needs to come in 20% increments. 40? Zero percent. No Metacritic, no cinema score. No consensus, because there aren't enough reviews for it. But five reviews, all negative. That's too bad. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. What would you give it? I would give it a 60. 60, huh? I enjoyed it. I would give it a 75. Whoa. I had such a good time. It's not a good movie, it's but really that's not, not the point. Of, <laughs> that's not the point of my score. I had a blast. I enjoyed it. Maybe, I love 80s slashers. Maybe I just need to watch the movies without you. Is that is Maybe. that what it is? No, it's not happening. <laughs> I don't want to spend that much time away from you. Oh Man, I'm just spitting hot fire here. <laughs> so 60 from you, 75 from me, average of 67.5. Way higher than the 0% that Rotten Tomatoes gave it. This will absolutely be uh, on our end of year list <laughs> for biggest discrepancies. Huge. Really unfortunate that this movie isn't bigger than it is, I feel. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Again, not a good movie. <laughs> Lots of fun and crazy deaths, which is what you want in an 80s ridiculous slasher movie. Yes. So if you're into that, you should see it if you haven't already, even though we've already described it to you. And that is 1986's Slaughter High. Kelsey, before we move on to our next movie, Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. In 1968's Rosemary's Baby... Rosemary deduces that Roman Castavet is really Stephen Marcato when told his name is what type of wordplay? Anagram. That is correct. It's an anagram. All of them witches. Yes. This is just for you. What insects overrun the hermetically sealed environment of Upson Pratt in Creepshow 1982? Cockroaches. That is correct. 
There's about two kinds of bugs that really, really bother Kelsey. She's very bugophobic, whatever that word is. But the two types of bugs are spiders, which is terror, and cockroaches, which is gross out. Yeah. She does not cotton to these things. She nope. will cover her eyes on a movie when either of these things come on screen. Yep. So if you really want to fuck with her, we're going to be watching Arachnophobia, and she's going to have to deal with I've that. I've seen it. I know, but there are a <laughs> lot of spiders in that movie. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our next film, 2008's April Fool's Day, originally intended to be a remake of whenever the other year one came out. 1986. The same year is Slaughter High. Oh, right. That's right. It did come out that same year. But they didn't have the rights. Yeah, they didn't have the rights to the title, so they needed to change it, even though it was made first. Written by Michael Weigart and Danilo Bach, that's the new script. The original script was that was based on the original April Fool's Day was written by Danilo Bach, Mitchell Altieri, and Phil Flores. Mitchell Altieri and Phil Flores are the ones who directed it. They are also known as the Butcher Brothers. They've made a lot of crap. I guess that's their thing. That's the star that they want to hitch their wagon to. But okay, they're the they're the Butcher Brothers now. And Chris knows somebody in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Starring Taylor Cole, Josh Henderson, and Scout Taylor Compton. Nose is very generous. I have performed with her in a stage production before. <laughs> That's where I know her from when she was much younger. But we've talked about it in um, Halloween, Halloween and Halloween 2. Yeah, uh-huh, the Rob Zombie versions. What is April Fool's Day about, Kelsey? What do an you think April it's about? Day, an April Fool's Day prank goes poorly and uh, someone is out for revenge. Yup. Only this time it's a bunch of rich assholes. Yeah. Well, because it's, again, you have to remember, a lot of this is going to parallel. uh, All the rich assholes in the original April Fool's Day, yeah. Which was so much better. (laughs) So much better. I fucking love that movie. And then there's this piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. You can totally see how this came from the original How it was originally supposed to be. Yes. Yes, a remake. So, should people watch it? No. No. And here's the thing. We're not dumb. We figured out very quickly that this was supposed to be a comedy. Well, okay. Supposed <laughs> to be a comedy is very strong. It was supposed to be low budget and kitschy. It was supposed to be those those things. So you're not supposed to take it seriously. Yeah. But it, I wouldn't say it's a comedy. It's not there nobody's busting jokes that are non sequiturs or out of the context of what's going on and everything's poorly written. Like it's not supposed to get belly laughs in the theater. It's, it's just supposed to be a little lighthearted and maybe a little campy, but not even, I wouldn't call it camp. It's a little kitsch. I don't know. It felt like they wanted to be brilliant, but they certainly were not. And they failed at everything they attempted to do. What I imagine the Butcher Brothers are, I haven't seen much of what they've done, but they just have some money and they can make a low budget horror movie. And they film it like it's a fucking soap opera with commercial breaks and zoom ins on characters' faces over be, long pronounced moments. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they filmed it on soap opera sets. Yeah. And the lighting is soap opera for yeah, sure. Uh huh. But do not bother. No. Don't bother watching it. There's almost nothing redeeming about this movie. Almost. I can't think of anything. I'm sure I'll come across something. You can, I don't know, jump on that grenade as we did. I'm trying to think of an 
example of a movie that we've covered that is secretly brilliant. My first go-to is Jennifer's Body, but we haven't done that yet. We haven't done it yet, no. There have been them. I can't think of any off of the top of my head, though. The shame of it is that these people... I maybe Slaughter High. (laughs) I feel like... No. (laughs) I feel like these people use the fact that it's low budget... Like to be like, ha ha, see, we're just silly. Like, right. We, you can't we, you can't say anything bad about us because we're already self-deprecating or whatever. But the problem with that is that there are movies that we have seen uh-huh. that like Dismembering Christmas. That movie's awful and it's very clearly made by people that don't have money, but they did their best with what they had. Right, yeah. You, you don't could get tell to just there be was like, skill there. You don't get to just be like, oh, see, we did it all on purpose. And yes. It's not great. And it's like, no, it's just because you have no talent. This is a trifle. If it upsets you, you're the one who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, you're taking us too seriously. Well, then why would I even want to go see your movie if we're not supposed to take it seriously? Exactly. If you wanted to make it a comedy, you should have made it a comedy. That's my prop. My big problem with that kind of mindset but they don't because they're not good at making movies it's not a good movie we jumped on this hand grenade for you people but if you want to be enveloped by the explosion as well you can watch it or don't which we would recommend when we get back we will talk about 2008's april fool's day we are so proud to host your debutante ball, which I think you'll find will change your life forever. Cheers. April Fool's Day, a time for friends. It's so nice to see you. You look divine. A time for pranks. You know, how do I know you're not up to another one of your little tricks? But on this night, <laughs> April Fool's Day, the gag is about to turn dead serious. Now, one year later... Dear friends, a year has passed since my tragic death. I was hoping one of you would accept responsibility. Six friends must stand together. My murderer doesn't come forward. Each one of you will die throughout the course of this April Fool's Day. If they want to survive... Oh, you think it's a joke? You're the expert, right? If the person who killed Milan doesn't come forward, then any one of us could be next. Ryan, who's to say any of us killed him? Whoever this is could be bluffing or crazy. Ah! Sounds to me like you're the ones hiding something. Neither one of us killed Milan. You're lying! All right, Kelsey, you want to get us started? Tell us how April Fool's Day begins. Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. It's a prank gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wrote down originally, ironically, this movie is supposed to be a remake of the only one of these films that didn't begin with a prank gone wrong. <laughs> I mean, even non-April Fool's Day movies begin with pranks gone wrong, like Terror Train, which was about New Year's. So then I realized, oh, wait, there is the Boatman, which for a while they think is the killer because he was injured. So, like, I guess there's kind of a prank gone wrong there. It's... I mean, it all ends up being BS, though. Right, 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 right. But, I mean, I guess you could say that there is partly a prank gone wrong that kicks everything off there but still i just thought that that was a little ironic so tell us about that prank so it's a coming out party yeah it's like a debutante ball do those things really happen yep they do surely they do i mean they're not as sticklers for like you know oh the kid can't date or you know because they're designed to be like okay now this young woman is part of our society and she's not just relegated to the kids' table anymore. And now she's available to be wooed 
right? That's not what it's about anymore. It's like a quinceanera, you know, it's effectively that but for rich white people. So this uh, Scout Taylor Compton is coming of age, and so they're going to throw this party for her. Oh, we should probably point out, her name is Torrance. Like the city of Torrance. What's wrong with the name Torrance? It's the name of a city. It's like naming a kid Chino. It's the main girl's name from the cheerleader movie. You mean the comedy? Bring it on. Yeah, the comedy. Her name's Torrance. Kick kick it, Torrance! The blonde, the blonde, what's her face? It's Kristen Dunst. Oh, is it Kristen Dunst's character? Yeah. Yeah, the comedy, though. Like, I'm still Big Red. I'm still Big Red. I sizzle, I scorch, but now I pass the torch. The ballots are in, and one girl had to win. She's perky, she's fun, and now she's number one. Can kick it, Torrance. t t torrance I used to know the entire... <laughs> opening thing it's a whole new side of you it's so good you should watch that movie uh anyway but her dad's name is lawrence so i think that's where they went with that yes before any of the adults are there it's just the the teens i guess yeah (laughs) and i think the main two are supposed to be brother and sister are they brothers they're brother and sister yeah they are or are they half brother no they're brother and sister and their dad died and he was very rich so he left them a trust their so, last name is cartier are they supposed to be the cartiers like the diamonds yeah i don't know okay but in any case the older brother is left as the executor no, he's of the, the younger estate. brother that's why it's kind of fucked up oh okay yeah but he's i guess because he's the man he's left as well no they they make it pretty clear from the get-go up. that she does a lot of stupid yeah. shit <laughs> well he's so, the executor of the estate right so he has control over how the money in the estate is spent he gets to make judgment calls as to whether or not they can actually use the money so she's kind of attached to him and as you might imagine Imagine this breeds resentment. As long as you quit pestering me about that stupid SL550, then yes. It's not fair. Why should you get to decide how I spend my money? Because that's what Father stated in our trust. Besides, you have a perfectly fine automobile. My car is an eyesore. It's a 2007, Desiree. You don't need a new Mercedes every year. Fine, whatever. Just stick to the plan, all right? His name is Blaine, which reminds me of Pretty in Pink. Blaine? His name is Blaine? Blaine? His name is Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. (laughs) They play polo. Like, they're supposed to be rich assholes. Right. One of them definitely wants to be, like, the president. He's obviously supposed to be kind of a joke. Peter, he's my favorite character in this entire movie. He's the thing that I will give you. He's from a comedy. He's absolutely the idiot who's running for... He's basically like a George W. Bush. He's a politician, yes. And he's a total doofus, and he gives a thumbs up and an okay sign in all of his pictures. Like, he's just an idiot. And it's very obvious. It's the only thing that makes this film look like a comedy. And he's fantastic. I fucking love him. (laughs) And then there's this blonde. So, I haven't explained all the characters. It doesn't really matter. They're all a bunch of rich assholes. And there's this blonde who is supposedly better than everyone else. Milan. Milan is her name. And she is better than everyone else because she helps people. She uses her money for good. Uh Uh-huh. Etc. Etc. And she has always apparently been in love with the brother... Blaine. Blaine. Meanwhile, there is a guy who's also in love with 
her, and he is the one that's filming everything. Ryan. Ryan. So there's, you know, all these little inside things happening at this party. They eventually get the blonde and Blaine to go and have sex, and they're going to film it, just yeah. like in Terror Slaughter Train, High. Slaughter High, yeah, uh-huh. In 2008, it's not as endearing. <laughs> now, from what I saw, it showed Blaine putting something in her drink. That's what I saw. Him putting something into her drink. Yeah, we her, even see them, like, comparing like a glasses roofie. or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. Apparently, I saw that wrong. Yeah, According it's to the end of the movie. Very unclear. It's extremely unclear. Like, I was just full on, like, why is he trying to, like... Why She's in he, love with him. She yeah, wants to have she sex wants with him. to have sex with him. Like yeah. it's not a quite like I guess to make her looser. Yeah, uh, you know, more like ready to go. I guess, mm -hmm. but um, it ends up poisoning her, and then she falls off a balcony. Yeah, <laughs> because people have balconies in their homes that overlook the their foyer. Their foyer. Yeah, uh huh. It's something, <laughs> and then Torrance freaks out. Yes. Because, obviously, she liked Milan, but also... It's at her party. It's at her coming out party. Yeah. that, that and she all feels happened. used. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we get all the court scenes. And they're all, all every court scene in this movie is filmed in the same courtroom, has the same judge. It doesn't matter what the context of the trial is. Uh, but what the judge ultimately does is, while they don't go to prison... Blaine takes the fall, and because he had this major lapse in judgment that led to the death of somebody, they take away his executor rights, which was stipulated in the will, and they give it to Desiree, the sister. Which makes no sense, because it was Desiree's idea. Right. Like, this whole thing was her idea. Well, it's also why he's kind of bitter about that. Right, but I mean, they are all to blame. That pisses uh -huh. me off, too, because in the end... I don't give a shit that I'm ending, ruining the ending. They want to blame it on Desiree. Yeah. I get why he does. He's pissed because now he doesn't have the executorship or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh-huh. But why is everyone else putting the blame on Desiree? I get that it was Desiree's idea. You all went along with it. Yeah. Except for the except guy for who was in love with her. Yeah. Uh -huh. But he did nothing to stop it either. So, I don't know. It's very the only odd. The only one who wasn't involved. Was Torrance. Yes. She's the only one who had no idea it was happening. Right. So, oh, and we didn't mention that there's also a guy who, so Desiree is supposed to get this picture, this video of her brother having sex with Milan, this girl, this and it's supposed angel. to ruin her reputation. Yeah. Because she's friends with this guy who Charles. does, who's basically like a, what's that website called? Perez Hilton. It's He's like a Perez Hilton type of character. It felt very much like Cruel Intentions. Yeah, Okay. A lot like yeah, intelligence. I can see that. The rich upper echelon of teenagers playing around with people's lives. Yeah. Wanting them, to, wanting her brother to have sex with a girl to ruin her reputation. Uh -huh. The girl happens to be blonde. Like, it's, yeah. it's very much cruel intentions. So the first person to die later, it's so like a year passes or some shit. And the first one to die is the Perez Hilton. So earlier in the film, they made sure to make you know that he couldn't swim. They asked why he wasn't getting into the fucking jacuzzi, I with, think it was. No, the pool with it, the girls. Yeah. And he jokes about the fact that, well, they're playing with the wrong equipment because yeah. he's gay. But also on top of that, I can't swim. Right. Charles, why don't you uh, jump in the pool with the girls? Well, first of all, they're not playing with the right equipment. And secondly, you know I can't swim. He just carries around his dog, Elton, 
Milton? The closed captioning can't decide. I'm pretty sure it's Elton. I, it is Elton. But the closed captioning repeatedly says Milton. And in the same scene, within 10 seconds of each other, switches it to Elton. <laughs> Whatever. But so, yeah, he's like obsessed with his dog. And he thinks that his dog has jumped into the pool. So he jumps in. It's kind of funny. Oh, God. <laughs> he jumps in to save him. Ends up not being anything real in there. It was there. like a stuffed dog down at the bottom of the of the pool. And it and was just up- to get him to drown. Which, yes. again. Okay, so it's all fake. Okay, this is all a prank. Not it's him. All- he died. No, he did not. That's what I wrote down. They did that. They they did that scene so they can get it on tape. So then they can then give the tape to them so they know that he's dead and go to his house and find him dead. He's just dead on the pool floaty thing. But then he they jump in after him and he falls off. And then he's just lying face down in the water. And he comes back later. I don't remember. He's in back. the scene at the end. Is he? He comes back later. And I wrote down, how is it that he was supposed to have held his breath while they're all just staring at him face down in the pool? Like, how is that a thing? They do not respect you or your time or your brain. It's really, really upsetting in that regard that they're not even fucking trying. So anyway, he's dead. They all get invited to have a memorial at at Milan's gravesite and they get a copy of this video delivered to them. And that's how they see that Charles is dead. And Desiree keeps seeing who she thinks is Milan. Yes. Which I got really excited about. I was like, ooh, is it going to be like a double personality thing where she thinks that she's Milan and she's she's getting a revenge? Yeah. But in fact, it's actually her. That's where I thought they were taking it, but no. Shortly (laughs) in this movie, I wrote down, this is obviously a prank on Desiree. Uh, especially because everything that is bad, all the deaths, except for Charles, happen in front of Desiree, and only Desiree. So it's obvious that they're all pranking Desiree, but I wrote, why? How? Whom? They're all working that day. <laughs> like, jobs that they have, that they're getting paid for. They decided this was the day that they're going to prank her? Like, just get the day off, man. So, she eventually says, like, you know, I've spent the last year regretting this, but I've finally come to terms with the fact that it was an accident. Right. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I just love that none of these characters ever take responsibility. But um, that's the thing, is we find out later that she really did intend things to go sideways. She hated Milan. I don't think she wanted Milan to die, but she had, she intended it to go sideways like that. So they they get, like, a letter that says, like, if the person who does it will just confess, then this will all stop. But if, you, if the person doesn't confess, then each of you will die. Yeah. And nobody confesses. They go to Charles's house. They decide not to call the cops. Even though Torrance was going to say, I'll, I'll call the cops because I have an alibi for last night. There's no way it could have been me, so I can put myself out there. They decide not to do that, which we eventually all find out why. And they end up leaving and kind of going about their day trying to figure out what's going on. So there's a few things going on. Ryan is... Filming a beauty pageant that Barbie is in. Barbie is the wife of Peter, the politician idiot. Peter goes back to his, is at his campaign thing. I don't think he was ever actually there. Torrance goes back to set because she's filming that day. So it's kind of 
Desiree and Blaine kind of going around town together. And they end up calling up the delivery place who delivered that tape to them, find out, finding out that it came from Ryan. And that's their first clue. Ryan's like, well, you all know my address. The fact that it has my return address on it doesn't mean jack shit. Anybody could have put my address on there. But anyway, go to Barbie's place because they're worried about what's going on. They're trying to say that, oh, it's Ryan or whatever. And through a very specific course of events that nobody is there for except for Barbie, who we find out later was in on the whole thing. So why it needed to happen this way, she gets electrocuted. The, the bottom falls out of her flowers that are delivered to her, even though they were delivered to her just fine. So what caused the bottom to find out fall out isn't clear. And her hairdryer is perfectly frayed and it's in the water that her feet are in that have spilled on the ground. And then they're working on the power in the venue. And so when the dude turns the breaker back on, she gets electrocuted. But nobody sees that. So why are we watching it like it's actually happening? Why aren't we seeing Desiree walk in on it having happened? Which she does. She walks in and she sees the body there. And she freaks out. And when she brings people back, the body's not there. So all these things that are happening, she's the only one who sees them. And then there's no proof that it ever happened. So it's obvious really, really early on that this is all just a fucking prank on Desiree. They go to visit Peter. And then he gets mowed over by his value by, wagon, by his value wagon. And we don't see it. It's just inferred because it's off in the distance. So we never actually see him get run over. But Desiree goes chasing after this this van. And it looks like Milan's driving somebody in an obvious blonde wig. You know, so it's obviously not her, but whatever. So now Peter's dead. And then they go to Ryan's place to investigate, and they find video of them. Tons of footage. Tons of Peeping Tom videos. And they're like, oh my god, Ryan was in love with Milan. It's totally Ryan. And then they think Ryan comes home, and so they hide. And while they're watching, somebody comes out of nowhere and slits Ryan's throat. And so they come out, and they're like, oh my god, Ryan! And he's trying to say something, but he never does. And he dies. And Blaine takes the knife, wipes it clean of fingerprints, then proceeds to touch it with his fingers anyway, and then puts it in his own fucking pocket. You were paying a lot more attention to this than I was. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Why would you wipe it down only to then subsequently touch it? Why would you do any of that if you're going to not leave the knife at the scene anyway? Like, what the fuck are you doing? But I guess he's, this is just a thing that people do at crime scenes. Because he's all he's acting all this out. None of it's real. But this is close-up magic at this point. Because his throat was supposed to have been split. And Desiree is right there looking at him. But whatever. Anyway, they go back home. And they find that Wilford has been killed. Desiree slips in his blood. And their butler is dead now. And so everyone is fucking dying and they get separated, but eventually she finds him and he's all tied up. That's when it's revealed that the Milan that's been running around was actually Torrance. She takes off her wig and she explains her motivation, which I thought was actually kind of interesting in concept. 
changes the motive a little bit. It's not you guys killed her and I was secretly in love with her or anything. Her real motive is... You ruined my debut. You ruined my debut. Those people ruined my debut! My ball! A so-called party you threw for me was just a fraud for your stupid prank! You used me! I'm like, oh, that's fun. <sighs> you ruined my ball. Like, that's a funny little motive twist. That's interesting. But obviously it's not true. She kills Blaine by shooting him in the chest with the gun that she's wielding. And she has Desiree all tied up. And so Desiree's freaking out. And all they want to know is, why? Why did you do it? Why did you kill Milan? And then she just goes off on everyone. Wait! Wait, I killed Milan. I did it. I did it. I gave her the roofie. But I didn't mean for her to die. I, I was just trying to get back at Blaine for boarding the inheritance over me all this time. And I thought that... I thought if he got caught for roofing Milan that I didn't mean for anyone to get involved. You let us go through the ringer, the, the court hearings, the press. We were innocent. Innocent? Innocent by innocent, you mean Charles, the social climbing fag who built a small empire by exploiting Milan's death? Or how about Peter, a so-called politician who didn't have enough smarts to keep his dick in his pants? Maybe Barbie, who'd rather send death threats to Milan than take up marital issues with her husband. Nobody, nobody was happier to see her dead than them. Let's not forget about that obsessive creep, Ryan, who'd rather see Milan in a box than with anybody else. And Blaine? Blaine didn't care about anybody. He didn't even think twice about participating in my little stunt, and he paid dearly. Yeah. Talking she, about how shitty they are. She incriminates and, everybody, so it kind of makes their whole plan bullshit, but okay. Right, but all <laughs> they wanted to do was reveal the fact that she intentionally drugged the champagne to hurt Yeah, so she Milan comes out and says it was and her. her brother. And I'm telling you. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It looked like he did it. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. But, I mean, her plan was she got him to go along with it just so they can fuck with Milan. Even if she hadn't drugged the stuff and they did release all this stuff, I guess nothing bad would have happened to Blaine then. So it, something like this prank needs to go horribly wrong so Blaine loses the executorship. So she gives it up. She wanted it to go beyond what the actual prank was, which was just humiliating Milan. She wanted to get Blaine in trouble. And she talks about her true feelings about everyone else there. And they're like... Ha 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 ha, Blaine wakes up and he's laughing. He wasn't actually dead. They were just squibs. And we just wanted you to admit that it was all your plan and that it's really ultimately your fault. Is that enough lawyer who's in the wings just listening to all of this? You know, the confession under duress while tied up and having a gun pointed at her? You know, that'll really fly in court. Did you get all that? Sounds pretty conclusive to me. You remember Mr. Ellsworth, right? Whatever. I guess that was part of their plan. And then she's in disbelief because everyone's coming out of the woodwork. What? What is this? Huh? How is this fake? This was really dead. You really died. No, didn't really die. Here I am. Well, what about the gun? You killed Blaine. And he's like squibs. And then Torrance goes, yeah, it's all blanks. See? And then points the gun directly at Desiree's head, pulls the trigger, and blows her fucking head off. They're blanks, Desiree. See? Oh my. I will admit, 
I was not 100% expecting this just because it happened so fast. Mm -hmm. Like it was just this to this bed blown off. (laughs) But it's very obvious that that's where it was going because why would she go? Yeah, of course these are blanks. See what always happens every single time when anyone's like, oh, the gun's out of bullets. See? As I was trying to tell you, there are no bullets left in this gun, you see? Is that there's actually still a bullet in the chamber. One plus two. It is such a fucking cliche, but that's the way they decided to end this. And everyone was fucking surprised. They're like, what happened? Like, it's a very sort of Jason Lee death, right? Like it was supposed to be blanks and there was really something or somebody tampered with it or we don't know what happened, even though we do know what happened with Jason Lee now. And now she's dead. So cut to the trial and Torrance is let off scot-free. They find her not guilty. Because this same fucking judge apparently loves practical jokes and lets everyone off with a warning. And gives the executive shit back to... Back to Blake, because he's the only inheritor now. So he's the new executor. You know what you do in cases like these? You make an uninterested third party the executor. That's what you do. But whatever. They make Blaine the executor. And then as he's driving away, he cracks kind of a smile. Like this was all part of his plan. He really wanted to kill his sister. There are a few problems with that. Just down to the fucking gun, right? Like, you don't know how many times Torrance is going to pull the trigger. You had two squibs set up, mm-hmm. but she only pulls the trigger once. Yeah, it doesn't make any so sense. So the second bullet was going to be the real one. But also, I think it's a revolver, if I remember correctly. If I was given a revolver full of blanks, and I just had to hold on to it for the proceedings, and I was waiting for them to show up, I would be, like, spinning the, the barrel around and all that. Like, there's no way you can guarantee that the appropriate bullet is the one that would kill your sister. Yeah. Like, none. And there's no way you can guarantee that Torrance would demonstrate that they were blanks by pointing the gun straight at her head unless you told her to do that. And that would be really fucking suspicious. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. They write it down And because they think it's clever, but it falls apart upon just the slightest glance, not to mention the fact that Charles was face down in the water for so fucking long (laughs) and that we see what happens to Barbie and that we obviously don't see Peter getting run over and all of that fucking shit. Like, I knew that the butler was going to be in on it when she yelled at him in the first scene. It's just so painfully obvious. But that's the movie. Kelsey, do you have anything for lightning round? At one point, somebody called Brian, the one who would film everything. They they said he always wanted to be a Hitchcock. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is at the at the end, you know, it, it's very much like Vertigo, in that she believed she was following a dead person because of the blonde wig that yes. they're wearing. Yes. Yes. So that was uh-huh. definitely a Vertigo reference. Very good. This was produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., who also produced the original. Just. A little interesting tidbit. The very beginning felt a lot like the original April Fool's Day. It starts with a girl being interviewed on a camera that her friend is oh, using. Yeah. So oh, that. my God. Yeah. There are there are a lot of these sorts of things that tie it back. And then it's obvious they went in after the fact and messed with the the the, the main plot element. So there's still a lot of these little Easter eggs within it. When they first sit down to toast Torrance... When it before the adults show up for the party, Blaine drinks from his and he's got ink in yeah, his mouth. Uh-huh. That's another thing they did in the original. Yep. There aren't any other practical jokes like that, though. Nobody cut the legs out from a chair or whatever, any of the other stuff that happens in the original. That's kind of it. There is a bit with 
cops. So they're in Ryan's apartment and he died and they call 911. Cops are on their way and they think it's a prank because somebody has been calling in fake pranks under Blaine's name all day. And they call the cops and they need to get out of there as soon as they can. But the cops are like right there. So they walk by them. They're not seen coming out of Ryan's apartment. They walk by these three cops for some reason. And one of them, as they pass, one of them's like, oh, shit, I forgot my flashlight or my walkie-talkie or my gun or whatever. It doesn't matter. And I'll be right back. I'll go get it. And he meets them at the elevator that they're about to take down. And he manages to sneak in really quick. And now they're in the elevator after just having witnessed a murder. And they're worried about it being pinned on them. And the officer is in the elevator with them. And this is just ripe for tension. And they just leave it almost immediately. Almost immediately, they're out of the elevator. And the cop stays in the elevator for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's like, have a nice day. Yeah, you too, officer. And then the officer gives him kind of a funny look or whatever. And then that's it. Like, you could have had this moment where, like, the blood's dripping out of the knife or it's leaving a stain in his <laughs> pocket because he just shoved it in there full of blood. Like, anything, you know. But nope, nothing. They didn't do something where they had just... It was just ripe for the taking right there, and they didn't take it. When they're getting ready to do the prank, when they're getting ready to film her sleeping with Blaine, they're all just, like, outside the door, like, laughing and stuff. Yeah, how she doesn't hear it. Yeah, Yeah. how Uh does she not hear that? The movie's built for commercial breaks. I I mentioned it earlier, but I want to explain what I meant by that. It constantly, there's a moment that happens, and then it fades to black, And then it goes completely silent, and then it comes back in, and time has progressed. Like, they're coming back from a commercial break. And like I said, with soap operas, there's plenty of moments where there's musical stingers and zooms in on faces that are just reacting and not talking. Like, there's... It's almost like it was made for TV, which maybe it was. I don't know. I wrote... My original note was, this was released in theaters? (laughs) I couldn't fucking believe it. I think that's it. One last thing. The score is apparently a remix of the original April Fool's Day theme. I noticed one moment where it could have been, but I haven't listened to the April Fool's theme from the original in a year. So mm-hmm. what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Zero. It does not have any reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. There is an audience score, though, out of 2,026 reviews. What do you think its percentage is? How on earth did 2,000 people see this? 2,000... Rotten Tomatoes members. Jeez. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Slaughter High had what, 10? Had five legitimate reviews. Uh, I don't know about user reviews. uh, These are user reviews. Five? (laughs) 17%. 17, okay. No Metacritic, no cinema score. What would you give it? Well, first, overrated or underrated? Overrated. Yeah. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a nine. I was going to give it a 15. It did make me laugh a couple times. There was one point where... uh, Peter? It was probably Peter, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ryan is filming the party. Yeah. And the the Perez Hilton character comes up and he's like, obsess much talking about Milan. Yeah. And he goes, tan much? (laughs) Because he does right before he dies, he gets out of his tanning bed. (laughs) Obsess much? Tan much? There are a few moments, yes. There are a couple moments, but it's not—it's not like it's so self-aware that it actually cashes in on any of that. But it to was any trying great to effect. be funny. I think you're 
forgetting that. I think the Peter bits were trying to be funny. And I think most of that is in the actor. I love when he looks at the value wagon and his eyebrow goes up and he's like, that's my value wagon. <laughs> that's chasing them down, trying to run them down in the parking lot. My value wagon. Yeah, it's not a good movie, folks. No. What Sorry. You give it? Oh, you gave it a 15? I gave it a 15, yeah. So still less than the average user review. All right, Kelsey, that was this week with 1986's Slaughter High and 2008's April Fool's Day. And thus ends April Fool's perhaps forever on Pod Cemetery. Possibly. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are going to continue watching sequels. Yeah. So next week, you in preparation, you're going to want to listen to our 40th episode because we're going to watch... Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2. And you'll get a lot of the same stuff for the first portion of Evil Dead 2, because that basically retells almost the story of the original. And then we're going to watch My Name is Bruce. Yay! So it's a Bruce Campbell episode. Yeah, nice. Good job. I'm really excited for that. I never actually saw My Name is Bruce. So... In My Name is Bruce, if I remember correctly, the premise is that there are real demons and people try to enlist Bruce Campbell, the human being, yes. to help them kill these demons. As far as I know, yes. That's It's been a long time since I heard of this movie. I never watched it. So I'm excited to see this one. I love Bruce Campbell. <laughs> He's really great. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Good. All right. That is next week. Until then, you can always reach us on our website at podcemetery.com. Oh, oh, Pet Cemetery's coming out real soon. We're going to have to watch that, and we're going to have to watch us. Really excited about both of those. So we'll be watching those sometime soon. So keep an ear out for our um, non-spoilery thoughts at the end of one of our episodes, because I'm really excited about that. Of all podcasts, we have to do a bit on Pet Cemetery. I mean, come on. And apparently Stephen King really likes it, but Stephen King likes almost everything except for The Shining. Anyway, you can reach us at podcemetery.com. You can get a list of every one of our episodes. You can see a list in alphabetical order of every movie we've ever reviewed, which at this point is creeping up on, actually has exceeded 150 different movies. So great way to dive into our back catalog is by finding a movie that you like and then watching that movie and listening to that episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at podcemetery or email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. I have a lot, a lot of catching up to do on that, guys, so I'm very, very sorry. If you've emailed us and it warrants a response, I will respond. It will happen I promise. I also post our afterthoughts on our Twitter page, so you should probably follow along with that one. It's all the extra stuff, the visual stuff or the things we didn't think about when we were recording. That It's all the errata, I guess you could call it. Uh, and we always link to it when we have it in the description of every episode, so you should probably check out the description. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Five-star written reviews do the absolute best to help us in that regard. But even better than that is sharing us with your friends. And thank you so, so much for listening in the first place. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Don't worry. They'll find out all about Marty Ransom.
Slaughter High has its own song, too. It does. I'm excited. Which is very, very weird. <laughs> There's a lot of laughing, and it's it's kind of... Uh, Him talking to yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're gonna die! And it's like threaded into the Manfredini soundtrack. It's, it's very, very interesting in that one. Much more interesting than this one, mm-hmm. which is just so fucking bland. We forgot to talk about the fact that it does a close-up on April 1st, just like it does. Oh, and they pull away the, yeah. Just like it does in Friday the 13th. Yeah. Oh, I didn't talk about the fact that he changes on the wall of the shower Marty Ranson sucks to Marty Ranson fucks. Talk dirty, Frank. Talk dirty. Um, tits. Dirty, dirty. Um, fuck. Uh, tits. Screw. (laughs) 